what is it that about um, the car business? And I know we're going to get here in a minute and we're going to talk a little bit about also your book that you have coming out and the journal that you're giving away for people that are getting it. And that's awesome. And I'm not going to go too far in this, but, you know, it has to do with not giving up. So <laughs> uh, I, I, the car business is something or being a car salesman closes anything like that. Uh, sometimes there's a lot of rigorous hours. There's a lot of time that you put in and everything like that. What is it that you think, and I know we're talking about the car business and stuff like this, but it's relatable to anything. You're, you're in, sure. you know, you're, if, if you're a coach or if you're an expert or if you, you're in insurance, whatever that is, um, what's something that you kind of get out of selling cars that you maybe wouldn't get out of many other things? What do you, what do you think some of those things are? Well, <clears throat> I would tell the people that, that I hired and trained that, um, they'll learn more selling cars in this one job than you would learn in five or six jobs combined. I mean, you learn about, you learn about finances, you learn about people, you, uh, you learn about automobiles, you learn about marketing, you know, you learn so many skills that nothing else that you can do singly would teach you so many things. The Move Entrepreneur Evolved Podcast. Get on it. All right, you're back with the Moved Entrepreneur Podcast, where we talk with entrepreneurs about their skill sets, what they bring to the table, and there's a lot to learn from a lot of really cool guys. Try to do our best to kind of dig in a little bit about who you are. So it's it's really exciting. So today we've got Charles Baldwin. And he is the founder and the owner of Struggle, Grow, and Succeed. What's going on, man? Hey, Jason. Thanks for having me on, buddy. Good to see you. You too, man. It's really good to see you. We were just talking a minute ago about we just don't even know what summer and winter is sometimes. We were saying, look, I've got a warm winter. i got a cold winter. Um, it's been kind of crazy. So, um, yeah, I'm going to dive right in here. Um, I'm going to take a a left turn. First, I'm going to address this. Uh, if you look at my neck on this one, I was attacked by a bear uh, three days ago, and I didn't really do really well. Um, and so, yeah, I really got, you know, I got this ingrown hair I was trying to get rid of. So it's kind of like one of those things that you get cockroach on your face. I'm just going to address it, get it over with. So now you guys can stare not at that. So let's, ju let's jump right into this. Going back, I like to kind of find some things, and um, it looks like you were in the car business. I was. I was in the car business um, actually for about 19 years, and uh, just retired from it uh, this year uh, in April, around April. And uh, so I'm trying to adjust to uh, the semi-retired life. <laughs> it's kind of difficult. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually started in the car business. I was 19 years old. Uh, so we probably can dive in a little bit about that. Uh, you sure. figured that was uh, 19 years in the car business. I'd have to say that you were the transition from about 2000, about 2000, 2001. Does that sound right? Yep. Right yep. in that area there. Uh, mm -hmm. my, bro my brother talked me into it. He was in the car business himself. And uh, I was a police officer before that. And uh, he said, why don't you sell cars? You can make more money and not get shot at. And, uh, I said, well, that sounds interesting. So, uh, I went on up to Virginia and that's when I got into the car business. 
Uh, I'm, we have a lot to talk about on, uh, you got a new book coming out. We'll go ahead and talk about that. But I thought I'd kind of open the door to that because uh, right now we, we are in a big transition um, in the world uh, that we're in right now. Um, I've actually had a couple conversations in the last ones as well. Um, but we're seeing some changes in technology and looking back at time and looking what the car business was. When you started the car business right around 2000, there, there was uh, uh, the way that the car business was ran was starting to change. Right. And um, jumping into the car business, coming from being a police officer, stress levels, things like that. What was that kind of transition for you? Well, um, I told my brother, I said, I hate to sell. And he said, you don't have to sell anything. All you have to do is help people find what they're looking for. Mm. And that's the mentality that I went with. And it was an, it was a nice change. You know, it was, um, I found that I was pretty good at it for one thing, which made me feel good. And immediately I started making more money than I had ever made. And, uh, but it was a, it was a transition going from, from law enforcement. I remember one of the, uh, the secretaries there, she said, every time you walk across the floor, you walk like you've got, you know, you're going somewhere. I said, I guess I got that from my police days. You know, mm -hmm. you're always having to stand at attention and be ready and that type of thing. And it gave me that alertness and it also helped me to uh, learn how to work with different types of people. So mm -hmm. um, it was, a, it was a pretty smooth transition. I didn't have a lot of trouble with it. Yeah. Um, it's always fun when we talk about it. It's like a lot of times we're a lot of us guys, we sold cars. We always like to say we're in the car business, you know, it's like that, that was what we did, you know, because at the end of the day, I think that there's a lot of people that um, there's internet sales that are happening. And um, I think that um, maybe you, you recognize this as well, but, you know, we've gone through, I'd say the transition of like going on the internet and you kind of get information, maybe you buy some things and we're starting to see that um, we're doing more one-on-one -on -one sales again. And we're right. utilizing that on the internet with Zoom and everything like that. What would you say was like some of the skill sets that you needed to shift in your brain or maybe some of the ones that you started acquiring at that time and period of your life when you went into that? What was like one of the skill sets that you said, look, I, I kind of got to shift this skill set or add this skill set to it? Yeah, Um I think the biggest one, Jason, probably was the fact of following up with somebody. I, I was used to doing what I had to do and going on about my business. And uh, so in sales, you know, as well as I do, if you sell anything, you've got to have a skill of following up, whether a person doesn't buy or if they do buy or if they've got an excuse why they don't want to buy, whatever it is. You know, staying in touch with that person I found was one of the skill sets that I had to to learn, and I didn't like to do it because I'm I'm not a phone guy. I hate talking on the telephone, mm -hmm. and uh, but it forced me to you know start start trying to stay in touch with people and build a relationship, which I found was the biggest plus of all, uh, especially in you know as a car salesman or any type of salesman is building that relationship. So. Those are the skill sets that I, that I had to learn very quickly. I didn't have any trouble talking to people. Mm. It was just, you know, staying in touch with them. So. Keeping in touch and, and kind of touch, you know, those don't make, always make the decision at the end of the, end of the day yet, you know, being in the car business, the goal was bring them in. You know, the goal was basically, I know you're sitting in the car and I know that your wife or your husband is telling you today, we are not buying a car. <laughs> Just looking, yeah. 
Just like it. Uh, you know, so and, and what what do you think it was about? I, I I guess it sounds very prey in a sense and hunting and things like that. But what was it about the challenge that changed for you as well? Because to become good at the time, especially in even today, price, I don't know, think it's as aggressive that it was then. But you know, to become a good salesperson in general, that was a different environment. You know, it's, oh, it was. It's it was a different really different environment. How, how, how did you take the transition from that? You know, when people say no, how, how did you handle that? Because you used to say no. <laughs> no, that's exactly right. Nobody said no to me before. Nobody said no. <laughs> uh, if you said no, it, it was on. Um, yeah, um, I learned really quick that I had to have some training. And, um, so fortunately the place where I started, you know, my brother had been in the business for a long time. He helped me a lot because he, he taught me how to, to deal with people. And if they said no, because at first, you know, you, when you start getting no, it's like, okay, well, here's my card. You know, that's, that's the very first thing a, a raw salesperson will do. And, uh, so I had to learn that just to ignore the word no, and just, keep right on talking but because a lot of times it's just a it's just an automatic response from a person mm. no not right now or i'm just looking those are things that just come like automatically from our mm. human nature and so i learned uh real quick if you just ignore that and continue talking on and building that relationship after a while the no turns into a yes so they didn't really mean no at all so um that's where i i really started learning i got really interested in the the training aspect. And that's, that's where my career ended up in the car mm -hmm. business as a training manager. So, uh, the difference though, like you were saying between, uh, how you sold cars then and how you sell cars now is day and night. I mean, mm -hmm. nothing, nothing the same. Uh, it's just, you know, you, when the car hit, hit the parking lot, you better be out the door, uh, ready to greet them right then. That's kind of similar, but, uh, now people, they, they certainly don't want to be pressured. And uh, so it, it requires new skill sets today. And it's really hard for, for people like, like me and maybe for you, however long ago you sold cars to, uh, to transition into selling cars today. So uh, you learn all the time. I found in the car business, you don't ever stop learning. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget this story. And I don't think I've ever told it on the podcast. And it was only during this time period and it's someone that I, that really taught me a lot. So, uh, I, I don't think his intentions were there, but the frustration was always there. And, uh, I'll never forget this story. And basically I was standing on the lot, some great terms for you and waiting for the up, right. Yeah, and, the uh, yeah. these guys, these, these, a group of people come in and they were, they were from uh, city of industry, which in, in closer to like LA and things like that. And we were inland uh, in California and I'll never forget. This was like, this is when I recognized that the internet was really changing. And I, I had uh, bought my first Dell Inspiron 5,000. I thought I was the man was day trading yeah. dealership. And I remember um, as I was sitting there, these, these people come up, there's like four or five of them or whatever. And they walked in and they said, hey, can we speak to your manager? And if you had gotten good and you know this, the job is not to go see the manager. The job is to say, how can I help you? And if you're good, your job is right. to kind of alleviate the manager and move on. And so right. I'm standing there and they walk right up to me and they say, hey, um, can we see the manager? I said, well, you know, why do you need to see him? And they said, well, we want to purchase the car for 300 over invoice. And that really wasn't something that was really happening at the time. 
you know, it was everything was, you know, back in money and it was, you know, profits were, were, were not shown even to the salespeople. And so as I was standing there, the guy walks up and uh, he goes, Hey, by the way, I have the invoice. <laughs> and to this day, I'll never forget standing there. And I'm like, you have the invoice. I'm like, what the heck's going on here? How'd you get this information? And so after he basically says, I have the invoice, I said, well, what am I going to do? And so I walk back, go inside the back room, which is where you get your ass booked for a second, tell you why you're not strong enough. And so I went back in there and I asked him, I said, hey, um, I got the invoice here. What should I do, you know, with this? And he goes, go tell him, go sell him the car. Well, you know, handle it myself, I guess you're saying. So I go back out and I'm like, hey, and they said, listen, I want to pay $300 for this. I have this invoice. I'm not going to leave. I know exactly what's going on. They're pretty strong about it. And I was like, gosh, okay. So I head back to the desk, go back and he's standing. I'll never forget. He was so upset. And he's like, they want to know the invoice. They think the internet's going to be everything. I'll never forget. He walks outside, you know, the three ring binder, yeah. the big three <laughs> ring binder where everybody carried their invoices came outside he kicked that door open and he took that thing and he threw the whole thing outside every single paper went everywhere and in my mind i'm sitting back going the world has just changed (laughs) everything from now on has changed and so my question would be because you know you've gotten to where you're at and you turned into kind of a trainer in those scenarios, I'm sure you kind of, you were at the very kind of a beginning of that, but ultimately for you, what was that feeling of going, okay, how am I actually going to serve these people in the transition? Because it really wasn't about, get, I mean, you could get big rips, but it started to change. And so to become yeah. a trainer, how did you find yourself becoming a coach and a trainer and things like that to try to, I guess, teach people in a different way to serve or to, cause you still got to close. So what was that experience for you? That was my dramatic story. That's the only one I got. Well, that was, that was a good one. I remember things being through across the showroom too. Um, yeah. Uh, training, I guess I, I started really liking it. I was, I was a, uh, an instructor to law enforcement and I've always been, uh, like a teacher or a trainer. I just, I love that. I love, uh, teaching people. And uh, seeing, I guess it's not teaching them that part of loving it, but I love to see the transformation in people when you teach them. That's what uh, really got me uh, turned on to, to instructing. But um, yeah, it was, uh, I guess, because of my experiences from then, you know, a lot, of, a lot of managers carried those bad experiences like you experienced. And when they become, a, those salespeople become a manager, they remember that. And that's what they try to imitate. Mm. And I was seeing that that old style of management is not going to work today. And, and I started seeing that transformation. And I was really glad that I got to, to work through that because you would have in one building, you'd have an old style manager. You'd have, uh, you know, the, the younger kids, you'd have an older salesperson that had to sell his way. He didn't want to hear no process junk. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so it was like a big mixture. And, uh, so, you know, staying at one dealership is, is, it was a big plus because you can get a, a job anywhere selling a car. If you sold a car, you can move and it's like being a nurse, you can get a job, but staying at one place, you can see it change and transform. And, uh, so I got to see that. <clears throat> and what I would, uh, 
I always tell the young people when I would hire them, I'd, I would say, rather than saying, my boss used to cuss me out, he used to throw things at me. What I would say is, I remember the day that if I was on Facebook or the internet and my manager came by, I would get fired. Yeah. Today, you get fired if you're not on Facebook not. and Instagram and TikTok. Yeah. They want you. I went through that experience. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and so, you know, I, I remember the day and it wasn't long ago. I mean, it was probably 10 years ago, nine years ago that, you know, if we were on Facebook, we'd have to hide it when the manager came by. And uh, so we found ourselves as managers saying, have you been on Facebook? You put an ad out there yet? Have you done a video today? You know, mm -hmm. that type of thing. So it was a big, big change, but uh, I enjoyed, I enjoyed that change because the young people coming today to sell cars uh, man, to watch them grow so quickly, uh, done a lot for me. I enjoyed that a lot. I think that's a really good point. Um, I think that, yeah, I think that's an incredible point. I think that there's another piece that's interesting as well. And, um, in business today, and, and, and we noticed that we use Facebook as, as an asset, um, being a part of that. Um, what was your thoughts on, uh, the, uh, the up to the closer, concept what, what was your thoughts behind that and um as you started to did, did you uh, were you guys uh were you guys a to store were, were you guys a you know close it yourself what, what type of environment were you in well that's interesting because that was always a a point that uh i had an issue with sometimes mm -hmm. in in the store we had a floor manager in the last dealership that i worked at and uh we had we had a rule 100 to Everybody that left needed to talk to a manager before they left, which uh, I was fine with because you don't, you don't ever know when a manager can get someone, you know, back involved. Closing is where, where I had a problem because a lot of times the store where I was at would always send down the floor manager to close the deal. And uh, to me, it's like baking a cake and somebody else taking the first bite out of it. So you don't really know what it tastes like. And I always felt that for a salesperson to grow, they needed, they needed to close a deal at some point, mm -hmm. uh, because once you close somebody and they say, yes, after you've worked with them for two or three or four hours, hours. Yeah. Uh, when you close them, it does something, you know, you feel that you feel that excitement, you feel that adrenaline, you feel that pride. And if you have someone else coming in after you have done all the work, Someone else comes in and takes that credit away from you. Yeah. What have you, what have you gained? You know, now I've got to go find another one and work through it. So a uh, manager can come down and close them, you know, mm. um, and a lot of people didn't want to see a manager, you know, they just didn't want to see it. We yeah. had a good way of, of, of bringing the manager into the deal right off the bat, the manager would come out and, and greet the customer and talk to them be available for them. So there was a lot of good things about a floor manager, but the closing thing, I always felt like even if they don't get it, even if they lose a deal, they learn something from it. And as a dealership, you have to say, we can't afford to lose a deal. You I was going to say, I, I was going to say, you know, sometimes that sounds really pretty and that sounds beautiful. Um, but there's an, also another side of the psychology of, um, authority, I guess. Um, and then I guess that maybe sometimes the closer is a better flirt. I don't know. 
<laughs> you know, uh, and, and they're willing to say things that maybe the other person didn't. Um, but I think that one thing you bring up, and I think it's, it's really important, is that it kind of always kept the, uh, it always kept the person that was getting the app, it always kind of kept them in the spot. It was always like, this isn't your place. This isn't your, your, your beneath or whatever that was. Right, right. I tried at least my scenario. Actually, I don't wish to do this, but I'll show you. It's kind of funny because I'm chatting with you. I haven't had a podcast about this, but um, yeah, this was this was some early years. Oh wow! <laughs> and so you look back, and you know, at the end of the day, you also there was there was a lot of pride. Yeah, you know? and, and, and there was a ton of pride. And sometimes it's to the expense of the consumer. Um, and I think that that was the transition that I think people were going through. Um, what, what is it then about um, the car business? And I know we're going to get here in a minute and we're going to talk a little bit about also your book that you have coming out and the journal that you're giving away for people that are getting it. And that's awesome. And I'm not going to go too far in this, but you know, it has to do with not giving up. So <laughs> uh, I, I, the car business is something or being a car salesman closes anything like that. Uh, sometimes there's a lot of rigorous hours. There's a lot of time that you put in and everything like that. What is it that you think, and I know we're talking about the car business and stuff like this, but it's relatable to anything. You're, you're in, sure. You know, you're, if, if you're a coach or if you're an expert or if you, you're in insurance, whatever that is, um, what's something that you kind of get out of selling cars that you maybe wouldn't get out of many other things? What do you, what do you think some of those things are? Well, I would tell the people that, that I hired and trained that, um, they'll learn more selling cars in this one job than you would learn in five or six jobs combined. I mean, you learn about, you learn about finances, you learn about people. You, uh, you learn about automobiles, you learn about marketing, you know, you learn so many skills that nothing else that you can do singly would teach you so many things. And, uh, to me that, that is the biggest thing. And, um, I don't regret a day. Yeah. The hours were brutal at times as, as I got to be a training manager, I had a better schedule, mm -hmm. but, uh, Oh, I remember going in early and staying there till 10. Bell to bell, baby. That's right. Bell to bell, they would say. And uh, you had to put in the work, you know. Um, and and when you're young and, and you've got that energy and you don't have maybe a family, that's prime time. What happens is when you get married and you get kids, then it starts getting a little bit more complicated because by the time you get home, your children are in the bed. You know, you don't get to see them until your day off, which is like one day during the week and Sunday. So they're never together. So you can never go anywhere unless it's a vacation. You work the holidays. So the retail side of it is really rough, but the reward, um, if you really put yourself into it, was worth it. And uh, that's what I would say. If you're going to do it, whatever it is, yeah. you got to yeah. do it 100%. Yeah, I, th I think you make some really good points. And I think that, um, I, th I think it really cuts your teeth. I don't think I'll never forget the statement. Um, I went in in orientation, it's two guys with me and you just bring up lives, fun stories. I don't get to talk about very often, but ultimately, uh, one of the things that he said is, and it, it, I look back and I'm, it made sense and, and it really triggered me to change, but 
he basically said, <laughs> he's like, here's the deal. If you can, I'm sitting here, I'm a young kid, right? I mean, my mother's always loved me. I got all these things. I grew up kind of going to church in a church and things like that. He looked me right in the face. And he says, if you can accept being a piece of shit, if you can accept never getting invited to PTA meetings, if you can never accept that your neighbors are going to even like you, you're going to be an incredible salesman. And I was like, I don't know if that's true. My mom says she always liked me. <laughs> but the thing I think that I learned from this, and maybe you can add on to this, is that really what it was is that there's a process here. Yes. And I learned that, you know, no matter if it's your cousin, if it was your brother, if it was whoever that was, the process is, even though people say they kind of don't want it, psychologically, they figured out this process of decision-making. And I realized eventually, I was like, wait a minute, I screw it up when I try to cut corners, trying to help people in a different way. And that's, I mean, that even today I, I deal with that. I think I'm like, oh, I'm going to try to I'm like, wait, the psychology doesn't work that way. No matter how much I want it to work with that way. There's a, right. there's a logic and a psychology. So what do you, what do you, how, what do you think about that? Um, I love the process and I, I really didn't sell cars in a process. There was probably some type of process where I first started but after I moved down here for the last uh, 11, 12 years of selling, the new owner brought in a process, a real one. I mean, it was on paper. This is, you know, from A to Z is what you do. And uh, wow, I had never actually followed a script type thing to sell a car. I just went out there, hey, how you doing? Yeah, and, you know, and put my foot up on the bumper and started talking. That's mm -hmm. how I sold cars. But I found really quick that, if you do the same thing every time, regardless that you get good at it and it becomes a natural thing for you. So it's, it's a, it's a learning curve at first to do a process because most stores have similar processes, but not the exact same one, you know, from, uh, right down from the meet and greet to bringing them in to doing a needs assessment, which was a new thing to find out what they need and mm. won't can afford. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then doing a good demo drive. So once you learn that process, and that's how I trained every person before they hit the floor. Uh, me, it was like my first day, go get them, there they come. And I had no idea what I was going to say when I got out there. So you can take a green person with a process and train them, train the process. And so they have something to fall back in. If it's a word track that they use for a while, they have something to fall back on. And after a while it becomes natural. So yes, I'm, I'm 100% in, uh, into processes. And if it works, use it. And sometimes you have to tweak it, you know, to make, you find something that works a little bit better and you add to it. So we've had to add a few things, you know, when we were there, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in, I, I believe in processes. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to try to get us out of the car business. Cause I didn't want to stick to that old time. Well, is that, I said, it's kind of hard to stop talking about the car business once you've been in it. It is, it is. And I think it was just fun to kind of reminisce with you. You totally get it. And with so much experience that you had it, and it was just a blast to kind of bring it up. So I'm going to kind of move forward a little bit. Um, and I think that as I was going through here, um, let me see if I can't get a date. I had uh, brought this up because I thought it was really cool. You, um, 
you had written back in, uh, right in 2018, ironically, it was right in December of 2018. And this was one of the statements that you had said. It said, I completed my 30 day challenge with new habits to move me forward. And I'm excited to bring on a new year, the best year of my life. If you want to change, take a challenge so you can fuel uh, the, or uh, turn fear into fuel. My question uh, for you is, um, what is it about 30 day challenges, 40 day, 50, usually I'm doing like 30, 60, 90 day challenges, one year challenges. What have you, what have you learned through that process um, that um, allowed you to change um, or why you even do them? Yeah, there's several processes that's really, I, I feel like it's changed my life, Jason. Um, the one you're talking about probably was the better life challenge from that Dean Graciosi had. And, um, I read one of his books and, uh, it really got me to thinking about things that I had never thought of as a younger person. Nobody had really exposed me to any of this, uh, you know, self-education and, and growth and that type of stuff. I just believed in living your life and that's how it ended up. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, that 30 day challenge forced me to, to, uh, what it done is it helped me create habits and uh, those habits are what changes your life. So a challenge is awesome. It's not just to say, I'm going to see if I can do it. I believe that a challenge is meant to make a change in you. And if it doesn't make a change, then maybe you need to do the challenge again until mm. it gets in there because some of us, it takes longer to create a habit than it does others. Mm. Some, some people can do it for 30 days and say, I'm good. I'm doing this every day. I love it. And then others will just drop it and others won't even complete it. So um, the challenge, whether it's 30, 45, 90, like you say, because it does take that long, I believe, for some people to actually create a habit. But I think that's what it's for is to change to change yourself somehow. Yeah, I like that. And then as you kind of went through that, did you find yourself wanting to find other ways uh, to put together challenges? And the second thing is, do you like how the dates are added to it? Like, uh, you know, you put a timetable instead of, you know, the challenges maybe to, you know, I want to do this many X, Y, Z, but it seems like a lot of people put around a set of days that they do them. Is there any other challenges that you've maybe found yourself after doing one like that? Did you find it was kind of a, I guess uh, we would say like, uh, you can never eat one Pringle. <laughs> <laughs> gotta have one of them. Um, I think that's Pringles, right? I think it's Pringles. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lay's. Lay's potatoes. Lay's, there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's there's been several challenges. Um, you know, when it comes to a challenge to, to reading, but I think the biggest thing, to be honest with you, if somebody says, "Hey, let's do this 67 day challenge and stuff," um, it's not something I say. Okay, I, I want to do that. You know, um, I've got some a competitive nature but not to the fact that i'm going to do this challenge and see if i can beat everybody else um so yeah there's been things i, I think though what what really speaks to me more is change changing habits and and using those to change a habit and that's what really brought about a change i believe in my mind and my life was changing my morning routine and uh doing specific things every day to get your day started because you can do things like in the middle of the day a lot of times it ain't going to have the same effect as if you started your day that way and um you know i was listening to your first podcast and and when you were talking about 
that physical thing. See, I've had a problem with, with being physical. When you're, when you're in the car business, you don't have time to go work out. You're just walking all the time. And then I got a desk job and I found myself sitting all the time. And the thing that you laid out was so awesome. You know, just, uh, just jump down and do a few push-ups, do a few sit-ups, do something to keep your blood flowing. So those kind of things speak to me. Um, doing a gratitude list, um, you know, writing down your goals and uh, listening to something positive and those type of things to get the day started. That, that does more for me than just accepting a challenge of some kind. I think that um, one of the things that I found as well and kind of backing that up is like, when you put a timetable to it, uh, I always kind of teach it this way. And, and a lot of stuff that you're talking about has turned into what I call our move 30. And I do that in, uh, in our organic uh, digital growth method. I actually add the two things together and how do we actually do business and connect it with trying to feel better. And the reality is we've got to do something, right? I mean, we have to do something. And ultimately I use this analogy quite often. Um, and that is that out here, we have a place called uh, Magic Mountain, Six Flags Mountain, Magic Mountain. It's got these big, huge rides. You guys probably have some stuff too. And yeah. but ultimately, it sits so that they can get those big, you know, they can get those big rides to go down. There's these big hills that you got to climb, right? Got to get up to the rise and things like that. And I always think about someone that has a child and they got to go up this hill. And I mean, holy smokes, you know, it's like I got to walk around all day long. And, and I think about when this person stands there and they grab their kid and they start walking to get to the top of the hill, the, not only say the majority, but people that get up there, one of the things they say is, I feel like I'm just, or, I'm just so out of shape. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you've, you've really walked maybe 20, 30 yards. It's been uphill. And one of the things that I think that creating, like you had said, some daily habits is that what we're talking about right now is kind of finding in technology, it's called minimal viable solution, but ultimately trying to find some minimal viable actions that you're willing to take because the statement isn't that you are out of shape. The truth is you're just weak as hell. And right. if you had just a little bit more strength, then you're really, the oxygen's being extracted from the muscle and what's happening is your heart's going, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> it's not your lungs. And I, and I think that a lot of people kind of get this misconception that you got to go run. I mean, when's the last time you chased to go chase down a gazelle to get your food? <laughs> That's right. You know, the reality is we just need to have enough muscle to go do things. The second thing is if we have enough muscle, we have this natural desire to do more things. And so what I found is this, if we could just find a little bit of, I guess you'd say a happy medium, when somebody comes to me, and they say, all right, I'll start this program. We're going to do it. Uh, I'm going to commit to doing, you know, 30 burpees a day. And I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> and they're like, wait a minute. Why are you, you know, you're supposed to encourage me. I said, because at the end of the day, I'd rather have you, like you had said, create a habit of something that you have at a minimal level, because it's a lot easier to get back on that train than it is to try to get on one that's, you know, not even moving at all. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I, and I hear people say sometimes, you know, I, I struggle with this just a little bit, set your goals way, way, way up. Um, there's, there's some good things to that, but to me, if you set a goal so high and you never reach it, it's like I was talking about a salesperson closing a deal. You've got to be able to accomplish something at some point to build, you know, 
build that self-confidence up. Hey, I can do this and then stretch it and then go to the next level. I'm, I'm all about levels rather than going from zero to 5,000. Um, I, I heard a man who knows what he's talking about. I've sit under him many times in training. He said, you know, if you set a goal that you want to make some money, set a real goal, set $5 million. I'm thinking, okay, $5 million. Uh, I might be able to reach that at some point. He said, you're not going to reach it. You know, you're not going to reach it, but it keeps you pushing for it. Mm -hmm. But I, I loved what you said and how you put it together. I mean, you know, I know you're, you're a fighter and it takes a lot of exercise and uh, discipline to stay in the shape to do that. And when you were mentioning like, um, you never know when you're going to have to spring into action. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a spring chicken, but I've got two young children. And if, if they suddenly get into danger, I've got to be able to get to them and help them if I can. And that's what I got from what you were doing. You know, you, you include that, but don't say, Hey, I'm going to do, you know, a hundred sit-ups a day and a hundred push-ups a day. And then you don't, you don't do it. You fall up. Like you said, you fall off the train, but if it's something yeah. that just keeps going, it's uh it's manageable and you can grow from it. I think. And I think that there's a, you know, kind of, I'll jump in real quick. I'll jump back out, but what's the best time to sell? What's the best kind of sale? When's the best time to sell? Uh, the best time to sell is right now. It's right. It's uh, right after. Right after you make a right sale. Right after you sell one. Yeah, that's true. Right after you sell you know? a card. And so one. often they talk about stacking wins, right? And I, and I think that the interesting thing about yeah, this is great. like you know we have these conversations and it's like we talk about doing these challenges and um i don't know if you've ever heard of 75 hard but that one's going around yeah. i did that one and i i pushed it as hard as i could and and um you know it was great and things like that but when i looked at that i said is this really practical i mean at the end of the day you really look at people and and we really even if we take pareto's law we have an 80 20 rule the truth is 80 percent of us aren't going to get it done and I think that there's a lot of human factor that goes into this and basically saying, I'm creating these habits because I know how much I suck. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, so let's just get real. I'm, you know, I try to encourage someone to do the move 30 of July, but I'm telling you because at the end of the day, I suck too. And I think that's, that's pretty powerful, you know, to kind of be able to put people in that position. Um, as I, as I looked through also some of your stuff, there was a time, and this might actually correlate cause we're going to start jumping a little bit into your book. I'd like to hear a little bit about that as well. Okay. And my, and my question would be, um, you know, there was a time period, you know, you're in the car, you're in the car business, you're, you're in that. Um, and you do, like you said, you kind of handle some marketing, you handle sales, you handle yourself, you handle stress, you, you handle competition. So I think that, yeah, you're kind of a. You're, you're, you're running your own show. You're making your own, your own money. And you kind of get locked into that business. I actually, some of my best friends, they own Harley Davidson dealers, Mer uh, Mercedes dealers. Uh, you know, it's, I've, I've been around the business for a, a while. Um, but one of the things I think that um, I was going to ask you is it was right around the same time, a little bit further, it was right around 2019. And it looked like you had gone to an Anthony Robbins event. Uh, the Tony Robbins, did you say? Yeah. Tony Robbins. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, that was, that was awesome. Um, the, um, one of our trainers that I had stayed in touch with and I met through what's wonderful about this. And you know, as well as I do, Jason, when you start meeting people and the contacts, there's a lot of people out there with like-minded 
uh, you know, philosophies and stuff. And, and this person would introduce me to this person and I would meet this person. It was great. Well, this man named Jonathan Dawson was, he's a trainer, uh, automobile trainer, uh, psychology is what he trains. And, uh, he put this thing on, on, uh, Facebook. He said, Hey, I've got, uh, six tickets. I'm going to give away to Tony Robbins uh, in Atlanta. And he said, tell me why you want to go and just speak up. And man, I mean, I hit that really quick. And I was the first one to, to get a ticket and he gave away five other tickets and they were diamond tickets, which means front row brother front row. And, uh, so, uh, I found that, uh, not only was Tony going to be there, but Dean Graciosi was there. Grant Cardone was there. I mean, some of the big hitters were there and it was just an absolute great experience for me. And, uh, I've got his picture somewhere. I don't know where it's at, but, uh, I got a, a picture made with him because we were diamond and, uh, man, one thing I learned from the guy, uh, Jonathan that took us down there, every time a speaker would get up and they would offer something to sell. Jonathan got up and bought it. He was one of the first ones to the table. And I said, good gracious, because he's spending a lot of money. But he is one of these people he found that if he would participate and give uh, and for other people, then he would be able to, to give. And he gave to us. He must have spent ten or $15,000 for us salespeople to go down there. And, uh, and he has been blessed because of that. I've seen his business grow tremendously. And uh, so that's how I got to go. I probably would have never got to go otherwise. Uh, I think the tickets were like fifteen hundred or two thousand dollars for that diamond. So, uh, and man, it was it was good to just to, to listen to Tony because all I've seen is commercials and you know pictures of people screaming and shouting. So yeah, um, I found out why they done that too. It's <laughs> a share. Let's go. Okay, so he came out after the other people were speaking, and there was probably. I don't know, 20, 20,000 people there probably. And, uh, he came out and he spent 45 minutes. He started out by jumping on the crowd. He said, there's some of the best people in the world here speaking and you people have no energy whatsoever. It's like, oh yeah. He said, you don't know what they've been through, what they've learned, what they can teach you. And you're sitting there like a knot on the log. And he started off by reprimanding us first. And then he started just talking and he talked for 45 minutes only to build the energy in the room. Mm. He never shared any secrets. He never done anything except kept slowly building and making us respond and making us stand up and making us put our hands out. And before long, you could feel the electricity in that building start growing. And I said, wow, man, this, this guy spent 45 minutes of his time just to get us to where we could receive what it is that he had to say. And, uh, so that's, that's one thing that stood out to me more than anything, I guess. Is that, um, is that your energy matters? It matters tremendously. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It matters. It matters if you're, if you're teaching somebody and mm -hmm. it matters if you're going to receive it. Have you ever, have you ever been in a class that you're a teacher, you're an instructor, uh, you're a coach when people are just sitting there looking at you, you know, and you just want to just grab a hold of them and shake them. Uh, so that energy on both, both ends really matters. Yeah. You know what it is. And, and again, kind of even being a student of the game, right. I mean, 
even when we started this, I kind of did something with myself. I try to do something that tries to create a sense of humor or, you know, some funness or something. And, and you can see those patterns. And here's the cool thing. I think that um, going back to what you have learned over the years and things that these are things that they're human nature. Like yeah, at the end of the day, who doesn't want to be around someone who has a good attitude? I mean, I mean, it's just, it, it's, it, it's, it's what we really want. I mean, ultimately, what do you think it is that, um, um, you think, well, I guess the answer could be there. Um, but what is it that you think that keeps people back from doing those kind of things? Because I think, and, th and the reason I say it's kind of a double question, I guess, what do you think it is that keeps people back from doing that? You've trained, you've helped a lot of people, you've helped people overcome objections in themselves. Um, and then the other one was that, that this opens up the door of what was the transition for you? Because this was kind of the year, okay? We all know the assumption, uh, the, the, the joke of uh, don't assume and everything, right? So I'm, I'm not going to assume anything asked out of me. And that usually is what it is. Usually it's not you, it's just me. But ultimately, <laughs> I think that was about the time, if I'm listening to your story here, that was about the time. I was trying to kind of put it together. I think that that was about the time where now you started to kind of look at what you were going to be doing next. Does that sound right? It does sound right. I, as, as I started uh, learning more about myself and um, I listened to a man, he was probably one of my first mentors, Glenn Lundy. He had a, a show on Facebook called Rise and Grind. He is the one who first taught me about a morning routine and mm -hmm. that, that intrigued me. And uh, I started train. I started implementing into my training at, at the dealership. And I believe that, uh, you know, I would tell the guys, I said, look, if you start your day right, you know, you're going to come in here. Um, if something goes wrong, you're just going to drop down here because you came in ready to go. If you just are throwing your shirt on and grabbed a soda on the way and you're about late and you just bust into the meeting, you're starting your day down here. I don't know if you can see my hand, but you're starting it about midways. If something bad happens, it's going to take you out. You're done for the day. So um, I believe that starting up here, in the morning was super important. And that started, that started me, um, on, on that journey. And then I don't know where, where the book come. I wrote a, a little book for kids, um, successes for kids too, just a little bit about what I had learned about children over the years and, uh, made a little journal for kids because a lot of times parents, even though they're being successful, they, they forget about their kids, you know, all they'll learn. But, uh, really good successful people will teach their children how to be successful so that they don't have to go through what I went through and maybe what you went through so that they can start their life off good in the very beginning instead of waiting until they're you know late 20s 30s 40s 50s in my case so um yeah man that's that's where it started I talk about me. this often and I think I, I do open the door to this quite often and it's one of the passions that I have the reason why I kind of do the whole move thing is because you know, we're living longer. I mean, shoot, I, I think I, I was watching a documentary or something. I was saying likelihood in early 1800s was like, and I'm probably butchering this, but it was like 33 years old or like 1700s. It's like 33 years old or something like that. And you figure how much life you had to pack in those 33 years until you croaked a disease, right? Right. <laughs> and it's like, we're living longer. We, we, we have more accessibility to 
I want to use the word funner things. Um, we have, we can do more things. And I think the cool thing about the internet is it's reviving the kind of the storyline that we would tell ourselves of over the hill or whatever that is someone then you know, you're just turning 30 and you're like, okay, I don't know, figure out my life. And I'm like, you can literally internet's opening the door that that doesn't really, you can start like you're doing this right. And you start a whole new career and enjoy it. You, you, this is your third, you know, your third career. And you say, Oh, it's retired. Look at you. You're a go getter, you know? So I don't think, I think it's pretty fascinating what we're, what we're kind of going through. Yeah. We have great opportunities. And uh, I read a book. I don't know if you've ever heard of it called the second mountain by David Brooks. Um, when I read that, because I, it kind of told me what I was feeling. And, um, I felt like in, in my early retirement, there was something else. There was other things I wanted to do. And when I, when I resigned my position, that's what I told my owner. I said, I feel like there's other things that I should do. Mm-hmm. You know, I climbed the mountain of this, of selling cars and got the salesman of the month, got the salesman of the year, got to be a manager, got to experience those things and make good money, but there's something missing in here. And, um, so that is the second mountain. And so, um, I I've done a podcast on that. You know, this is, I don't know what the second mountain looks like on the top. I ain't got there, but I know, but between mountains, there's a valley mm-hmm. and in the valley is where, you know, you're restored and where you learn things. And when it's hard sometimes. So that's what I feel like I've been going through to head to that second mountain to whatever it is that I'm, that I'm going to end up doing. So. I think that you're, you're on a path. So during that time, um, would you, uh, were you always a journaler? Were you a writer? Did you always, I mean, being in the you know profession that you've ever been, I mean, you know, playing cops and robbers for a while, you know, I didn't really have a lot of time writing those things down, going no. into our business. You didn't really have, you know, um, they have a lot of time to do that. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and just open the floor to this. You released in a book you did it at the beginning of December. It's called Never Give Up, uh, Struggle, Grow, Succeed. Uh, Mr. Charles Baldwin's experiences, I can tell, are amazing. What inspired you to do this? Um, a couple of things. I wanted to, number one, I wanted to uh, to leave kind of a record of, um, of things that I had learned behind for my kids, my grandkids, or whoever down the road needs it. I feel like a book is powerful forever because it could be laying there and somebody pick Mm -hmm. it up and say, wow, this is what I needed. So, you know, it might not be big at first, but at some point, if it, if somebody picks it up and then they're ready to give up, then maybe it'll help encourage them, you know, to, to keep going. And what was your point? I mean, most people that and I, I'm not going to dive into something I don't know for you, but most people write books like this because they felt like giving up. Because what? They felt like giving up. Oh, felt like giving up. Um, well, not me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's strange that I would write a book like this and, and you'd, you'd think, oh, this is a story that he decided just to give up one day and then he found something and he'd come back. But that's not what it's about. I started actually writing a little blog on on Facebook and Struggle, Grow, Succeed. And that's where my writing, you asked about that, that's where my writing started. And uh, so maybe once a week, maybe twice a week, whenever it just popped in my mind and something was on my mind, I would write a short thing. And uh, so I'd done that for about two years. And then I found out, Man, I wrote some good stuff and I had to scroll, 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 scroll till I find it. Um, and I said, why don't I just 
research these things, pull them back out, and put them in a book. And that's, that's how I started doing it. That's what these chapters are. It were things that was fresh that came to me that I was thinking about at the time or going through at the time. And I just wrote something, a little short thing. So the chapters are short. You can read a chapter, then read another chapter. And I put space in there where you can write as you read, because a lot of times you're thinking something and you want to write it so you can write it in the book. So it's kind of where that come from. I've not been a journal forever, but where I am now, I've got journals everywhere now because I, I see the, the power in them. Yeah, I started journaling a while back, and then one time I pulled pulled one out, and I was like, "Man, you're pretty jacked up for one." This is bad. It's pretty bad. <laughs> and, then, and then I said, "Well, there was some things going on, and I mean, it is." Yeah. It is and I and you know, even that journal I have, and I kind of got it thrown in the back here, and, and I'm like, "Well, someone will find that someday," and I'm like, "Wow, they're gonna really find out, really." I'm sure if they wrote their own, I, I heard a saying the other day, it was something like, uh, you know, someone says something bad about you and you just kind of lean in and you say, well, if you knew everything else, that wouldn't be the only thing you're talking about. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly so what's right. the, what's the, um, you know, we've kind of figured out that this is about a transformation, helping people like tell, and that's exactly what it is. What would be the transformation? You know, somebody reads this, they come back to you. And I, I, I can already get the sense that, um, you know, you didn't do it to get these accolades and things like that. Um, though it does take a lot to write it. And anybody that's written a book should be literally <laughs> given something just be, for completing it. Um, yeah. But ultimately, what would be that transformation? Somebody reads the book, it's at the very end, they came to you. What would be the thing that you would hope that um they would say to you just what you said uh a minute ago did it happen to me uh that that they were so they would say you know i felt like that everybody in the world was against me there was no use me going on no use me trying again because i failed every single time of everything i've tried uh and i read something in your book that that helped me and it gave me courage and it encouraged me to try again and and to never give up it doesn't matter, Jason, whether you make it or not. That's how I look at it. It don't matter if you make it, just don't stop. And when you, when you get that in your mind and you, and you have that energy to, I'm going to do it anyhow. What's the worst thing that can happen? You know, you're going to learn a lot of things. Um, so that would be, that would be the accolades to me is somebody come and say, wow, thank you for writing that because it helped me get through this. And now I'm determined to do my best and, and never give up. So I, I, I think that's uh, it's a really good answer. It's kind of funny how you brought that up a minute ago. You said, well, I listened to the first podcast or whatever. I'm thinking, man, we're on like almost to episode 40 something or whatever it was. I wanted to do a certain amount for the year. I look back and I'm like, man, I just threw the mic on and went for it. I remember in my head going, I don't know what I'm, where I'm going with this, but this is how you start. You know, you, do it. It, you just literally go butcher it. And, you know, I think that, I mean, I can only imagine being the mirror of my friends. They're just literally going, Jason, you're trying something new again. And here we go. again. <laughs> but I think that there's some a beauty in that. And I think there's some yeah. beauty in, in kind of going out there and, and not knowing how to dribble and, and foolishly just saying, if I can get to the into the court. Right. But there's also responsibility. of, of, of You can't always do that. You, you really do have to then take the next step to try to make it better and, you know, try to, to kind of learn off of that. 
um, as as you've kind of gone through this, what has been the what, what has been the transitions for you? It seems like you know this is entrepreneurial for you, right? I mean, you're going out there and you're you're changing people's lives. You're writing a book. You're taking new trans you know positions. I think that transformations are important. And I think that even right now in my life, I'm even looking at like, okay, if I change some of these things, what are the dynamics of my relationships? It's actually quite humbling to be honest with you. Because yeah. you're like, damn it, I thought I could figure that out. And you're like, no, I didn't. <laughs> but ultimately, what is it, um, what are the effects of the transition from the, uh, the, uh, uh, the job and all that stuff that you've had before and the career shifts? Um, what was the transfer from going from the car business to then going to this? Uh, what was that effect like on your family? Um, my family loves having me around. That's for sure. Um, I guess the biggest thing that I struggle with right now, if, if I'm honest, is, you know, I, I was thinking that when I was at work, oh, if I only had the time to, to put into this, I could do more and be more and you know, that type of thing. And then you find yourself with that time. And it's the discipline of saying, how many hours a day are you going to spend on yourself? I give other people nine, nine, 10, 11, 12 hours a day of my time. How much am I going to give to myself and what I want to do? Mm. And that's the biggest transaction. I know Jason, without a doubt, if I was to put that same nine hours in working on the things that I have to work on that I've thought about in my mind, I would go so much further, so much faster. And so that's what I, that's what I struggle with. Mm -hmm. And when I look at struggle, grow, succeed, that's why I see it as, I see it as a circle, you know, you, you talked about a minute ago, reaching a certain level, and then you've got to go to another level and then to another level struggle, you struggle, and, and you grow and then you succeed. And then there's another realm that you've got to struggle again and grow again and succeed. And uh, so it never stops. Mm -hmm. But um, that's the biggest transition, being control, being in control of my own time now. You know, what are you going to do with it, Charles? You know, are you going to waste it? You know, uh, are you going to do what you wanted to do when you were tied down to a job? So those are things that I think about all the time and I, and I just have to force myself. And I think doing podcasts and things are, are, are good, especially I told my wife that I'm going to do one on Friday night at a certain time, because I know that it's going to force me to be ready to be there. If not, I'm letting myself down. I'm letting the few people that may listen down. So um, yeah, man, controlling my time is probably my biggest challenge, but the transition has been awesome. I love it. I think it's cool, man. You got a great story. I think that the one thing that you bring to the table is that, um, you know, you, you brought in that transition. It sounds like, you know, you, you kind of got another career you started off uh, in the police department. I mean, uh, respect to you for all that. I mean, literally serving our country and serving our cities and things like that. I got so much respect for people that do that, number one. And then you go into another position. And with that, you took your leadership. So I think your story also shares like, you know, parlaying the, the things that you've learned and, and taking them into the next thing. And I think that, you know, something that, you know, it, you expressed through who you are, maybe not what you said, but ultimately what it did was you changed a totally different profession, but the things fundamentally that you learn don't ever have to go away. You can literally move those. 
And then I think it's cool that um, you then decided to do something totally different. I think that that inspires a lot of people. Um, I know that um, you added a journal to the book right now. What was the what was the reason and the purpose for that? Because I believe, uh, and I've learned, you asked me if I've been journaling for a long time. I, I've only been journaling probably for four years. Hmm. Um, but I believe there's power in a pen. I believe when you write things down, it's more powerful than if you just say it to yourself. Hmm. And I find people all the time saying, when I talk to them about writing down gratitude lists, they say, oh, I'm grateful every day I get up and I, you know, I thank the Lord for this. Or I just say, I'm so glad I've got this. I'm grateful. But that's good. That's good because you got a grateful heart. But when you write it down, it does something. It like It's like the power that comes from the pen on paper. And you, so you're using several senses. You're using the action of writing. You know, you can feel the paper. You can see what you're writing. It triggers in your mind that it's a memory now that you've wrote that down. And it does so much more by writing. So I just wanted to encourage people. That's why I left room in the book and then have the journal as well. It's just blank pages, write what you, what you feel. Um, and like you said, you can go back to it. You may be embarrassed down the road, but you may say, wow, look how far I've come or what I was going through then. So, yeah. um, I believe in writing. Well, uh, great guy, Charles. I'm so glad we got to connect. We kind of, we decided to change it up a couple of times. And I think that's really what life's about anyways, right? <laughs> Figure it out. And so I'm glad that you were able to make it on here. I know that you have a podcast as well. Um, I noticed that you had started yours about a year ago or so, maybe a little bit right around that time, maybe a little bit earlier. Um, and so my question would be those that uh, have learned from this or find you, know, you inspiring, maybe they want some help with you, whatever was the best way that they can uh, find you. Sure. Um, I've got several places on, on Facebook struggle, grow, succeed, wasn't taken. So, uh, I kind of own that space on Google, so it's easy to find everywhere that I'm at, but, um, I'm, I've got a YouTube channel struggle, grow, succeed with Charles Baldwin. That's where we put our podcast videos. I've also got just a voice podcast. It's how I first started. Uh, it's on anchor or uh, any of the podcast platforms. I think it was, on, I think I saw a note in there. It was on Apple now. Yeah, it's on Apple now, it's on uh, Google. There's probably seven or eight of them. So wherever you listen, if you just search Struggle, Grow, Succeed, you'll find that. Um, and uh, YouTube and Facebook, that's where we're at. It's easy to reach. Um, I would, I'd be glad to help anyone and invite you to come. And uh, I liked how you how you got me. You just, you just put out a post. I don't know where it was at. I seen it said, hey, would you like to be interviewed on a podcast? And uh man, you got it set up good. I mean, it was very organized, uh, from the very moment that, uh, I talked to you, I said, this, this guy has got a good personality. He's real. That's one thing I like about you. I, I believe you're real. And, uh, so that's how I found you. So, uh, we can be found if somebody's looking, they'll find you, you know? Well, I, I appreciate your time coming on here, my friend. And, uh, it's been, it's been a great episode and, Again, anybody that wants to um, meet up with uh, Charles Baldwin, you can go ahead and look him up on Facebook. That's where we became friends. Uh, you can also go to, I'm going to go ahead and say it out loud, strugglegrowsucceed.com. You can get the book. And even right now, he's giving away a journal with it. I want to thank you very much for coming on the podcast. And uh, we always sign out. Give me a big thumbs up, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot for coming on the Move Thanks, Entrepreneur Ball podcast. See you, bud. Hey.
If you like this episode, make sure you smash the like button and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just like Nike is to athletes, Moved is to entrepreneurs.